when I when we talk about composting, we say you are growing microorganisms. We don't say you're recycling or you're building soil or whatever. You are growing something. You're growing organisms. You are listening to the Dr. Haley Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you optimize your health. Each episode, there will be an interview or a message to help you discover better health. We will be featuring health radicals on the show to bring new ideas to the table, as well as doubling down on key fundamentals to support you living your best life. Your host is no other than the founder of Haley Nutrition, Dr. Michael Haley. I'm Dr. Michael Haley. This is the Dr. Haley Show podcast. Today's guest, Troy Smotherman from StartOrganic.org. Troy and his business partner, Josh Levine, teach people to grow their own food. They have virtual classes you can take, and they also teach in person. They helped corporations like Intuit and PayPal implement gardens at their work location for employees. Troy has a magnetic personality and a wealth of knowledge. I think you're going to like this one, and confident many of my listeners will be inspired to make positive changes today. The okay. your YouTube channel is excellent, very clean, really quick, accurate videos. Um, I saw one on um, checking moisture in the ground. I saw one on growing garlic, and I thought, man, I could do that. I'm going to start doing that. Uh, why aren't why aren't I don't know if I can grow garlic in Florida. I, does it grow everywhere? I don't know. You should be able to. Garlic is one of those magic ones where there's really no pest problem. So. You know, everyone should grow garlic. If if it's your first time growing anything, you should try growing onions and garlic. You know, I'm I'm gonna get that started. I know I'll show my wife that video. She'll say I can do this, and you made a lot of sense. Like you know, start with the the bigger ones, plant those, eat the small ones. It's like okay, that makes sense. I kind of do some of that uh, when I'm growing papayas. I'll drop seeds and see which ones spring up the best and i'll get rid of the small ones to start with something nice big and strong and i seem to get good uh, fruit for, from those so i want to shout out to max goldberg from uh insider organic uh for connecting us and what a great guy and when i you know when he introduced us and i saw what you were doing i got excited uh, it's what i'm all about and i feel like this growing food in your home space, on your property, if you have property, in your kitchen sink, if you don't have property. I, I feel like this is so important. And I, I think of something that uh, I think it was Lord Cameron of Dillington said probably 20 years ago. Uh, he coined a phrase, nine meals to anarchy. And the concept was, you know, about three meals a day, uh, if the food supply was somehow cut off, we'd become so reliant on the system that there would be anarchy within three days. Now, I think he was wrong. I think it would be anarchy on day one. And he also considered <laughs> if the oil supply was cut off, meaning you know that they, they couldn't restock the, the grocery stores, they would run out of food in three days. But the reality is it wouldn't take the the oil supply it could take the internet because every transaction is over the internet now there's a lot of ways that things can be completely interrupted and our food supply would be in jeopardy 
And we've seen from hurricanes and storms that people run to the store and wipe out the shelves on day one. And we've seen riots break out. We've seen anarchy following, you know, Hurricane Katrina. So uh, this this whole concept of um, not being completely reliant on the grid and, and the, the system that's in place for us to get our food, it makes complete sense. We should all be contributing in some way, even if you can only grow one food on your property and maybe more in abundance than you and your family would need, which gives you the ability to trade with the other food that your neighbor's growing. So... I love I totally what you're agree, doing. Man. I totally uh, agree. I so totally you're startorganic.org. Yep. Right? When when startorganic.org. When did you begin that? Uh it's a good story, man. It's a good story. Uh my Josh Levine and I, co-founder Josh Levine and I met in college. We both went to UC Santa Barbara where we were soccer buddies. You know, we played, we were on the same uh, club soccer team down there. And one day we were both talking and our friendship started to develop because we were both going to go study abroad. Uh, both of us are avid kind of world traveler people, try to you know, speak different languages. I speak Spanish, Josh speaks Spanish. Uh, you know, we, we actually really met and became friends in Spain in 2000, around 2002. We were in a program to go study abroad in southern Spain, Andalusia and Cordoba. And we became really close friends there, just palling around, going to soccer games, uh, studying, living with our host families there. Uh, both of us, you know, as we returned from Spain, we finished up college at UC Santa Barbara and we kind of both went off into the professional world. Um, I became a general contractor. I was building houses. Um, and Josh went into like brand marketing. He was working for like CBS. Uh, in in San Francisco area. And we both had our shot at the corporate world for, oh, like four or five years after after college. And uh, I learned a lot. You know, I learned how to build houses. I got a contractor's license. Josh is learning a lot about brand marketing and what it means to be in a major corporation. And both of us were happy learning, but not fulfilled, really. Uh, and then Start Organic really took shape around 2009, 2010, right after the housing collapse in 2008, I kind of got disheartened by building houses. You know, I didn't want to build, I didn't want to go out there and be a general contractor anymore. I was like, you know, people, I see people losing everything. You know, there's not a lot of creativity in it. Uh, and I was like, all right, you know, I learned a lot about building houses, but I'm getting out of here. So I went and took a, a trip. And I think a lot of inspiration in life comes from taking trips, like getting out of your bubble. So I took off and went to Thailand and Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos. And I traveled for, it was almost a year backpacking out there. And the trip ended in 2010 summer in the World Cup. This is in South Africa. And Josh and I were talking over that distance. And he goes, I'm going to try to get out there. I'm like, yeah, man, take all your vacation time. Come out here. Let's pile around. Let's go cruise around for the World Cup in South Africa. He comes out, he manages to get a month off, a month off of a corporate job. So he took all the vacation plus time. And while he was out there, we got to talking and, and both of us were like, I said, I'm not going back to the corporate world. I'm When I, when I finish up with this trip, I'm going to do something different. Uh, and he said, you know, I don't want, I don't want to go back either. <laughs> uh, so we started talking and 
We're like, okay, well, let's start something together, you know? Uh, and timing and, and cost of living, all these things kind of came together at once. I came back from that trip. Uh, Josh and I came back from that trip. I had been gone a year. He was gone a month. And both of us were like, all right, let's start something on our own. So really, I got kind of lucky. And that housing crisis of 2008 really helped too. My folks had bought a house in Lake Tahoe. Okay. Foreclosure house. And they wanted someone to live in there for the winter so they didn't have to winterize it. They were like, you know, we want someone to be there. And I said, hey, twist my arm. You know, I'll go there. I'll go live there with Josh. We'll pay next to nothing rent to be in Lake Tahoe and we'll snowboard every day, you know, and that gave us the time. There's a little window of time over, I would say, October 2010 into the spring of 2011 for us to develop a concept. You know, we, we sat down at the round table. We call it the round table and we threw out ideas. What could we do as a business plan? And both of us were like, you know, we both had a passion for growing food. Um, I had started gardening way back before then. I, I, I grew a garden at my parents' house. They didn't even know I was growing a garden back there. I was just curious about the process. And I, I found some success with it right away. And Josh basically grew up on a little farm in Southern California. So we both had this passion. And I said, well, hey, if we started a company where we use my, my contractor's license, we use your marketing skills, and we start one garden at a time. I got a truck. I got a contractor's license. We can get clients through. Uh, my mom was an athletic director, an athletic club. I was like, we can, we can reach out to these athletic people at this club in the Bay Area, and we can get clients. We can start one garden at a time, and Start Organic was born. That was, uh, that was the origin story. That was right around 2010, so we're 14 years in now. It's really perfect. And uh, as you were telling that story, I was hearing that coming together because you know, making a real good garden, if you really want to have a good strategy and maximize the, the, the beauty, the returns that it gives to you, it's going to take some planning, just like building a house. So you have, yeah. you bring that skill, uh, getting it out there in front of the people does take a brand marketing skill. So it is neat to see how those came together. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was, it was funny at the at the end of the Tahoe time, which neither of us wanted that time to ever end because <laughs> we, we had the best of so all these. We love snowboard. We love being out there. We were the probably the only people we always joked around. We're the only people growing plants indoors that was not weed in 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 uh, <laughs> South Lake Tahoe because we had a we had transformed the laundry room into a plant nursery. Right, so we got grow lights and we had the trays going. We started our own tomato plants. We thought, okay, these we're going to learn a little bit about starting plants from seed. And then we're going to bring those plants back. And those were actually the very first plants that we planted at our clients' homes were, were things that we started from seed in South Lake Tahoe over a winter. Yeah, yeah. And growing tomato plants indoors does look a little suspicious, but uh, that's cool. <laughs> and we may yeah, have I mean, just, those, the, just the starters, right? Yeah, just the they, starters. I mean, you're only growing you're growing them until they're you know a foot tall. Then you're bringing them outside and planting them. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, absolutely love it. Um, and I, I have spent some time in Lake Tahoe. Love skiing there, and I've been there about that time. I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, shared some slopes at the same time and probably cross paths a time or two. What do you got behind you in that picture there? I love the above ground. 
What yeah, do you call this? I, uh, this is a, this is a garden at one of our corporate clients. Um, I can mention there, this is at Intuit. Uh, you know, they make TurboTax and stuff. They have a, they've invested in their employees. They have an employee vegetable garden on campus. This is only about a third of the garden in the photo, but, uh, yeah, these are raised garden beds. You know, we set up raised garden beds. We manage this program where employees, this is kind of later in the development of Start Organic, where we got into teaching people how to grow food at work. You know, so, I mean, for the first, for the first eight years, all we did was one garden at a time. You know, I mean, we would go to your house, Michael, we'd go to your house. We'd look at your best area to grow. You know, where do you get the maximum sunlight? How can we find a place that's close to the house, like physical proximity close to the house? Why is that important? Uh, uh, pests. You know, as it turns out, you know, even even uh, squirrels and rodent pests and stuff don't like to get up right next to the house. And you're likely you're more likely to engage with a garden that is really close to you physically. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put something in the back corner of your property, even if you get good sunlight, protection from pests becomes kind of an issue. That's interesting. I never uh, so yeah, about we that. we kind of perfected this equation. You know, we started this equation of like what what makes a successful garden. And I I physically personally I was the guy the the kind of sales guy and I was the contractor. So I met with absolutely every individual that we worked with for the first eight years. You know, I went to everyone's homes. I I had to have gone to more than ten thousand homes of people oh. who live around the Bay Area. And I would assess people's yards. uh, And if they decided that this was for them, and they liked the idea of the design we put together, we would start this garden. And then we slowly learned, we slowly learned from a business perspective that it was a lot better business plan to teach people how to grow food than to grow it for them. Right, right. Uh, So we started educating and then that kind of spun off and, and got into corporate garden programs too. Yeah, and that's obviously a more sustainable plan because you can only grow for so many. So do you know what they say? Teach a man to fish, right? Yeah, yeah, makes makes sense. Um, above the ground or in the ground, and why? You know, you can do you can do either one. There's a lot of ways to grow, and we want to encourage people to grow something. Whether you're just getting started, you could do a tray of microgreens in your kitchen, right? I mean, you can you can start growing food in a pot in your kitchen you know you can do a container garden if you want to get serious though about about growing your own food at home you're, you're a first timer you've never done this before a raised garden bed does quite a lot for you um so we typically suggest you try to do around 100 square feet so that's three of these garden beds i got i got uh, garden beds behind me here three of these garden beds are you know 96 square feet uh, four by eight is a nice shape uh, it's, it comes, we, we kind of, we kind of coined that as like the standard raised garden bed size, four feet by eight feet. Um, because you can reach inside of there. You're not stepping on the soil. You're never compacting the soil that holds, happens to hold around a cubic yard of soil. So it's a really good unit of measure. Um, but raised beds give you protection from pests, right? It, it gets things up off the ground. So if you have smaller rodent pests or things that are going to be along the ground, wandering along the ground, they're not going to be engaging with your food as much. Um, it gives you a physical framework. When you have a, a nice structure, you can build onto that. Let's say you need to build a little greenhouse on top, or you need to build a little 
like a wire cage on top because you're having bird problems in the beginning. You have something to physically like nail something to. Right. Um, you also get this opportunity to build the best soil blends from day one. So you're not trying to build soils over a three, four year period, which is what it would take if you were home composting to mm. get your soil to this vibrant and alive, I guess, like text, not only texture, but the physical microbe. There's a lot of biology living in our soil and it would take you a long time to build that. Whereas I could go start a garden at your house tomorrow and I know that the companies that provide me with organic compost, organic composted chicken manure, uh, screened loamy topsoil, I can blend these into the perfect blend that will absolutely explode. Your veggies will explode the first year because they're just full of the nutrients that they need to, to thrive. So you're jump-starting this game, right? You're giving yourself protection with a raised garden bed. You're filling it with the very best soils. We're doing automatic irrigation systems. So you're, I mean, my garden, I mean, not today because it's winter right now, but my garden waters itself. I'm not really an early riser. I want, I want my garden to use as much technology as I can. You know, rain sensing, uh, you know, it's, it's sensing if it's hot, it's watering the right amount to the plants. Use technology, right? Is that so complicated or expensive? And, not really, no. I mean, the technology's improved drastically. Even in the 14 years that I've been doing this, technology's improved drastically with, you know, uh, Wi-Fi controlled timers that are even battery operated. So you don't even need to be running power out to where you needed to do that before. Um, so gardening in a raised bed, for especially for a beginner gardener, for your first few years is is the way to go. You know, it's it's a way to guarantee that you're going to be successful your first time, which I can't stress this part enough either. If you if you're trying something for the first time, especially gardening, a lot of people have labeled themselves as as brown thumbs, right? They tried growing something once and they at some point in that process in the setup of their garden did something a little bit wrong. And Josh and I are always saying, and part of our biggest pitch is 90% of your success in any vegetable garden is the setup. And so a lot of people think they're brown thumbs. Oh, I kill every plant I touch. No, you probably killed one of the earliest plants that you engaged with. And now you think that you can't do it. And so for us, not only from a business standpoint, but for a, a sustainability standpoint, we want we we need people to be successful their first time. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't we can't afford as a company we can't afford to fail, but also as a as a human race we can't afford to for people to fail their first time. So we set these these infrastructures up where failure is way 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 less likely because at least they have this proven and protected system. We call that the the raised bed gardening system, right? That that most sure most assuredly works i like it i like it and i want to learn the you know from someone that's made the mistakes already rather than make them myself you know i think of the avocado tree i planted last year and i never really knew what made a tree strong and healthy until i bought and and planted a bad one <laughs> and then realized okay um, you know, the, the graft is kind of sideways and the main shoots going off to the side and I have branching too early, which eventually they're going to split down the middle. 
and and there's no real one you know solid structure going upward. Um, so I learned that after attempting to grow this tree for a year, and now it's like, okay, let me wait for the right season and start over. And now I know how to at least pick a good start from the nursery. And with avocado tree, avocados aren't you know uh, true to fruit. If you grow, if you plant an avocado, you're not going to get something that tastes like what you planted. So you want to start right. with a graft and you want it done right. Um, but I wish I just knew. And when I was purchasing a tree, someone could could say, no, you don't want that one because of this. In fact, we shouldn't even sell this one. Let's get rid of it. And, you know, I wish I had instruction from the start to do it right. And it would have saved me some big headaches. Um, but um, that's one example. Now, I've grown many, many things. Uh, I, I had a yard that was on uh, John Kohler's, you know, YouTube channel, uh, growing your greens for how much food we had on it. And everything from, um, you know, the, the, the fish tank creating fertilizer to, you know, chickens running around. And, you know, uh, it was our own little farm that created a lot of food. I'm starting over in a new home now. I want to do it right mm -hmm. from the start this time. Yeah, man. Infrastructure, infrastructure. Every every dollar that you spend and every minute that you spend planning and preparing your vegetable garden will come back to you 10 times. If I had only one tool to improve most people's health, if I could make only one recommendation for everyone, it would be to eat 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day, representing all the colors. For those that just can't do that, I recommend a scoop of Aya Green's powdered fruits and vegetables. Sure, you can buy powdered fruits and vegetables in capsules, but you would need to swallow about 40 capsules of a high quality product to get the antioxidant power of 10 servings. Or you can add about a cup of water to a scoop of greens and drink it down as a tasty beverage. To get started today, head over to HaleyNutrition.com and put some Aya Greens in the cart. Use the coupon code ANTIOXIDANTS before February 15th, 2024 to get 15% off your Aya Greens vegetable and fruit powder. The coupon also works for the Haley Pro Vegan Protein Powder. Use a scoop of each in your favorite beverage as a perfect meal replacement. Now back to the show. How much time is going to be spent weeding? And is that a benefit to above ground? Is it easier and less weeding to do? Uh, you will definitely get less weeds in a raised garden bed for sure. Um, I don't, you know, I don't typically have a whole lot of weeding issues because when we plant these, for example, these raised garden beds, we really densely are planting. I mean, you're 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 covering every square inch of that thing. So you, as long as you you plant and you you stay on top of early weed development, right? If weeds start coming up in between your plants, if you kind of pick and pluck those on a weekly basis, like a very very small amount, it's all about competition. You know, plants are the tallest one wins, the biggest broadest one wins. That's just the nature of plants, right? So as you get into forests and forests are developing, the, the ones with the biggest canopies, the ones taking in the most sun are winning, you know? So if you don't let your weeds win from the earliest days, they won't have a chance to compete, right? So it's it's really, and I mean, whether you do that in a raised bed, you get a lot more weeds in the ground 
Uh, your soil blends are a little bit different. There's a lot more chances for bird to drop seed in there because uh, you're, you're usually gardening over a much bigger area. Uh, and I don't want to discourage people from growing in the ground. It's totally doable. It's just, I if you were going to say, I'm going to do this big area in my backyard, I would say, okay, let's start you off with one raised garden bed. And let's make sure that you're successful in that bed for one whole year. Right? We're lucky. I'm California. You're, you're Florida. We got year-round growing. Right? Mm -hmm. We're not in Minnesota where it's like negative 15 right now. I don't even know. But they cannot grow a winter garden there no matter how many greenhouses they do. So we're lucky. But I would say have success with that one garden bed. And then next year, we're going to double that. We're going to put another raised garden bed. And you're going to grow a bunch of different kinds of things there. We're going we're to make sure you have success with that. Then two, three, four years down the line, okay, now let's convert your lawn into a big growing space and you're going to start growing in the ground because now you've learned to manage pest problems. You learn what you know what weeds. You learned a little bit of tricks along the way. Now you're, I would say, you're qualified to start growing in the ground. That sounds like you a know? good plan. I, in fact, it's one that I want to follow. Um, I've been only in the ground. Haven't done raised beds. I have a lot of pots, um, and technically that's above ground, but they're you know eight inches off the ground, the top of them. So there's still a lot of the seed and weeds that get into them. And it's a lot of weeding and uh, it's a little out of control. It's probably, I'm doing yeah. more work probably than I would have to if I was in a raised bed. Definitely. Containers are a whole different story, right? Container. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like that, especially for a beginner gardeners that a container and a raised bed are that different. The difference is that these raised beds are connected to the earth underneath. They're just, you know, a four-sided box. They're not a, you know, five-sided box. And they don't have they don't have a bottom. So the earth is communicating with your plants. Your plants are reaching out through their roots and the mycelium network of fungi is down there. Mm -hmm. And so they're actually able to share, oh hey, I need a little bit of iron. You know, can you can you go out there and search out some iron for me? I need some manganese. I need I need more uh sulfur, you know go out there and find it. And they're finding it in a container. You, the gardener are responsible for absolutely every input, right? And you can fill that container with great soil. You grow a plant in there. Like you grow a tomato plant. Tomatoes take a lot out of the soil. So after even one season of growing a tomato in a pot, even if you had a big enough pot, which I would say for a tomato is like a five gallon, like a paint bucket size pot for one tomato plant. It's about as small as you want to go. Uh, even after that one season, you, you are almost starting over with soil. You're, you're dumping that soil around the base of a tree. You're spreading that out as, as food for that tree or something. But you're not trying to grow square foot gardening in that soil year after year because it you will deplete what's in there. It doesn't have the ability to go out there and say, I need a little a bit of something from over here. I need more nitrogen from this plant. It's not sharing like it is with a raised garden better growing in the ground. So container gardening, you know, as we talk about this development of a gardener, right? You start with this raised bed, you can grow in the ground. I would say then become a container gardener. A after all of that, a lot of people start with container gardening. And that's, I think, one of the more difficult ways to be successful. Wow. You know, one of the things that you mentioned, having the open to the earth, I, it reminds me of what Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, um, the author of The Gaps Diet, had talked about 
And just like we have a, a microbiome, there's a, a microbiome to the earth. And there's a communication that happens almost like a, uh, an internet, so to speak, where communication happens, uh, you know, among microbes and, and the fungus is like a network of communication to where literally this side of the field can talk to that side of the field. And you would be cutting that off with a layer of plastic or porcelain or whatever your container is made of. If you're doing container guarding, I never thought about that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, you, you start to see if you've done this for a number of years, you start to see like just plants and containers are not happy. They're not as happy if plants, you know, you can sort of trick them and say, you know, if I was going to use uh, like a half wine barrel, for example, you know, Josh, at one point, Josh and I created a product we called the salsa barrel. We did a one tomato plant, uh, a hot pepper plant, some like onions and chives, right? So we were trying to create all the ingredients that you would need in one one container, right? And we quickly learned that that was not going to be a very good uh, product to sell because they became so heavy. And to try to transport them on the freeway to another person, you're going through 60 mile an hour winds or whatever, 65 miles an hour because you're driving it. But you can trick plants to be in a container as long as the container is big enough. Right. All right. So when I'm saying that if you're going to grow a tomato in a container, it really needs to be like a five gallon paint bucket sized container. Mm hmm. It can't be, you can't grow a tomato with 10 pounds of tomatoes on it in a gallon pot. Right. You know, it just, it's not, you know, you can't get, I guess it's, it's that you can't get something from nothing, right? There's no such thing as a free lunch. And, and it, when soils are well fed, if you keep your soils well fed, you get a nice living biology in your, in your compost. That's, that's the something, right? You're getting something from something. These little organisms are actually working in there. Uh, so I would, yeah, I would, I mean, containers are, I don't want to discourage people from growing anything. I want people to grow one thing that's, you know, that's, I mean, if we're going to have a takeaway from today, grow something this year, connect with nature, grow something. But containers are uh, a more difficult way to be like productive enough to like live off of or anything. They're know? limiting, beneficial, but limiting because, you know, yeah. Let's face it, if we're growing in our sink, we're growing in a container. You know, uh, if you're doing bean sprouts or something simple, you know, on your kitchen counter or whatever. Uh, for us, they have their benefits. So, you know, my specialty is aloe vera and it makes it easy for me to transplant little babies and, you know, grow it into something strong that I can hand to somebody and say, here, now you can go plant this in your garden. Um, That's awesome, man. Aloe is amazing. I see this. I see your background is, is like just fields of it. That's that's really cool, man. Yeah, we grow a lot of aloe vera. Um, it, it's funny. I'm actually waiting on a container. I was afraid I was going to get interrupted because we're waiting on a 40-foot container of frozen aloe vera to arrive here at our business and go into our freezers. And it's due this morning. <laughs> but so far, we're good. We're, we're in the clear. Okay. Okay. Uh, but my at, my at my home, you know, hundreds of aloe vera plants um, among, you know, fr fruit trees and other things that we're, we're growing. Uh, let's talk about the different areas of your business of Start Organic, because you're doing some, some okay. corporate, some, you know, one on one. There's some virtual, there's some in-person stuff. What, what do you got going on? I mean, for the last 
four years, we have really spent most of our time on corporate gardening programs. We've really transitioned, shifted. We're not doing a lot. I would like to go back a little bit, but we're not really engaging with individuals all that much. We are working with companies. We kind of figured out that, you know, this, you know, two birds with one stone mentality, except for we can teach 8,000 people <laughs> at one company. Uh, and it, it feels like we're accomplishing more of what our mission was. You know, we were really naive when we started this. We're like, we're going to we're going to change the food system. You know, we're going to do this grassroots revolution. People are going to grow food. You know, we're going to be taking out all these lawns in the Bay Area, at least starting out here and really like inspiring people to get out there and, and transform their yards, use their water wisely, grow their own food. Um, and I wouldn't say we made no impact. I mean, we met a lot of people. We started thousands of vegetable gardens. I personally was there for starting a lot of people's individual gardens. But the impact that we make when working with big companies, you know, we've been at we've been at PayPal for 10 years. We've taught rounds and rounds of rounds of employees how to grow food at work at PayPal for 10 years, right? That's our longest running corporate vegetable program. People are stoked. I mean, you, you get to go out on your lunch break to your own garden bed, harvest your own organic produce, get the education. And then we get new rounds every year of employees. And I would say, uh, like COVID for us was a blessing because we were already prior to COVID. I, we were, Josh and I talk a lot about where we want to go with things. And I, I mean, I want to be able to work a little bit remote, but also I want to be able to teach people all over the place how to do this. So we started building online courses um, and before COVID hit. And so right around the time, like that, that March of you know 2020, when things were getting kind of, serious and strange we were poised to launch our first online course uh, and so we did we actually made two courses uh, one is how to start a successful garden these courses are still available as to, through our website startorganic.org how to start a successful garden and my goal with that i want to continue refining that course but it's essentially everything you need to know in a didn't take maybe three hours to complete this course on you know choosing the right location for your garden what is soil and how to how to locate the best soil blends what's automatic irrigation how to do that and then your first round of plants is that something like uh, and a then, one is that like a one time purchase and then people have access to it or how does that work yeah yeah and that is something that we still offer for employees we or, or for for individuals um and so that's i mean that's a good place to get started for sure i like it um and then my, you know, my goal with this, I really only want to do two things in my life with this. And I, and Josh and I are committed. We're going to do this until we die in some capacity because it's, it's fun and it feels good to do. Um, not only teaching people how to do this, but doing it myself. I go to my garden every day. You know, it's a, it's a really, it's a fulfilling way. I feel super healthy because I go out there and I grab my own food. Um, so the two things I want to do is give you an idea of how to build that infrastructure. Because we already said, I just I said a little bit ago, 90% of your gardening success is how you set up your garden. So we have that first course, how to, set, how to start a successful garden. And the other one's called the Home Gardening Series. And that is trying to give you a background of growing and, and really guide you, kind of hold your hand through one year 
Because if we, I know from my, from experience with these, I don't know, thousands of individuals who started their garden, if you have someone giving you the information that you need right when you need it and keeping things fairly small, okay, today you're going to go out into your garden when you wake up with your cup of coffee and you're going to look for this pest. I'm going to have you look for five minutes for this kind of pest. Here's what they look like. Here's how you can mitigate them. Here's how you can plan for the future where you don't have this pest problem anymore. Um, so the goal with that is consistent information. Mm -hmm. uh, we started with just like, you know, it was like a, a monthly class and we were doing webinars, right? So our, with COVID, we shifted a lot to that was almost all online content. And now after COVID, now we're all returning back to normalcy and everyone's going back into work. Everyone's, you know, having to leave their house, go go home, go to work. Uh, now we do this hybrid type program where we we help people start gardens or corporations in this case. We're starting, starting gardens. And then we're coaching people through the process, ideally for just their first year. You know, I don't profess to be this, you know, garden with me forever for life, you know, and and probably it's it's not like the greatest you know business model. Josh and I kind of talk about this, but like I would be happy just setting people onto the path, being there. Because I mean, what motivates me to do this is I mean, it seems like you've grown things in the past. You're, you're avid. You're into growing your own plants. There's something that it's indescribable. Yeah. You know this feeling that you started something. You put a seed in the ground. You transplanted something. You cared for it. And you got to eat that. And it, it, there's a, a strange connection, like this, this sense of accomplishment, this connection with nature that I, I mean, my motivation for continuing to do this is seeing that for the first time in a new person. Uh, yeah, so with our corporate, you know, corporate gardening programs, I get to see that in hundreds of people at each campus every time, every year. So it's a big, you know, big renewal. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad I can pay the bills, but the best paycheck is hearing from the customers and seeing the joy on their faces. Truly, you know, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, and I can relate to the things you're saying. I actually get to see the, you know, from both viewpoints as the urban farmer at home growing my own food, but also uh, because I contract with commercial farmers, for our aloe. Now, I do things a little different. They have our processes for our aloe and their processes for everyone else's. So it's more of the, you know, uh, personal touch. No, um, everything's just people and rakes and hands and knives. And, you know, there's, there's no, right. um, chemicals or machinery. Ours is very, very different. There's no filtering. There's no processing on our end product. So I get to grow my own food and see the benefits and understand where the food comes from. But from seeing what they do for everyone else, I get to see what's in the food that you're actually purchasing from the grocery stores, which makes you say, okay, this is important. I, I, I now, even if I'm not going to grow my own food, I know what standard has to be applied to the food that I am purchasing. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. From, uh, do, do, you know, like there's a good chance that I would have, you know, if I had raised beds, I'd probably still have, you know, chickens or maybe a goat running around the backyard too. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's not only okay, but if you, as we, 
it's funny because you, you you take these little steps, right? Little little baby steps onto like the path of sustainability, you know. And the, the truth is, there's no real sustainability without having animals in that process. Like, I think everyone should have chickens. I, I went to the grocery store this three times this week. There are zero eggs. We're having an egg shortage. There's avian flu. Not just like the idea of scarcity or you know this this fear fear tactic about you know there's not going to be enough or you know get out there and get your food. I just wanted eggs, you know. And chick my when I had chick I had chickens a couple of years ago. They got they got pretty old uh, and they stopped laying and then finally coyotes got them. But it was a great process, you know. I I mean I want to stress the best parts of it. Um, you do need some sort of organic fertilizer. To be a consistent and productive vegetable gardener, you do need something. You can buy organic composted chicken manure in bags. Right? You can go to a local nursery. You can go to a bigger source. We would go to rockeries that are blending bigger sources of these. It is becoming more and more difficult to find organic sources for soil blends on a on a industrial level when you're buying kind of big cubic yard amounts. It's be become a lot more difficult. So... Taking those inputs into your own hands is the way, to, the path towards sustainability, right? So I would say, yes, absolutely get chickens. But remember, like, also chickens like to eat veggies. Right. So you need to, there's, there, I would say like, okay, we start, we start with like a very small vegetable garden. We get you some success. Then you grow onto that vegetable garden. You get a little bit more success. Okay. In your second or third year, we're going to take on composting and composting is a whole whole other process. I mean, even you should start it in the very beginning. So you're learning it side by side, but it can be a lot to do it right. It, there's a dedication to it. You know, it's you're when I, when we talk about composting, we say you are growing microorganisms. We don't say you're recycling or you're building soil or whatever. You are growing something, you're growing organisms. And that requires the same if not more care than growing plant organisms in the form of gardening so you you know your first year you're gardening your second year maybe you're taking on some composting then i'd say two three years down the line you're adding chickens to the process right and or or goats or sheep or whatever you know if you want wool get sheep if you want goats I don't know about goats. I had a bunch. They used to just jump all over my cars. They were just running and jumping all <laughs> over my cars. And I was like, I don't know about this. What are they really doing for me here? Uh, there's applications for each. Chickens are fairly easy. You can corral them. They can have their coop. You can create a little chicken tractor, which I don't know if you've heard about that, yep. where they, sure. they're basically in like a rolling cage. And you can put that cage over here and then they'll eat all the weeds there and then you can move that cage over here and they'll all eat the weeds there uh but letting them loose into your vegetable garden uh they will also eat your veggie plants right right they they i mean chickens are crazy they will eat your boot if you left your boot outside you know like yeah. they, they will eat absolutely anything um there's so a it's, benefit it's an to incremental the chicken process. tractor i i like it because you know they it gives them an area where they can consume fresh ground because you're going to keep them there for a period of time and then you're going to move it. Uh, but right. it also controls where they go so that they're not destroying everything. And it protects them from the coyotes, raccoons, or whatever right. you have in your area. So uh, people say, right. oh, that's, you know, you're keeping them in a cage. It's good for them. Trust me. It's safe for them. It's beneficial for them. It's a good thing. 
I mean, keeping them. The, if, if you provide a cage, they will voluntarily go into that cage every night and hope that you close the door because that's Absolutely. where they want to be. You Absolutely. know, I mean, they, they like to they like to get out in the days and go roam free. Um, I did a lot of free ranging with them. It's just fun. Chickens are hilarious. They're one of the funniest creatures, man. For anyone who hasn't, you know, entertained the idea of getting chickens. It's yeah. awesome. It's not like they show... are the funniest. Yeah, it's not Sorry, like the show ahead. Rocky where you can't catch them. They'll actually let you pick them up and, you know, they, they become like a, a, a pet. And, uh, and you know, yeah. every morning is uh, an Easter egg hunt. So, <laughs> you know. It is cool. It's part of the magic magic and surprise that you can get from daily life. You know, these chickens are just doing the funniest things. I mean, that's why there's all these funny chicken, chicken memes and stuff out there. They're just hilarious animals. But yeah. also... I mean, what other animal do you get where the care is pretty minimal? You can do automatic feeders, automatic water. You can go out there and just kind of engage with them to get your eggs, basically. Um, and you're getting, I was getting like, you can get an egg a day from a from a productive chicken. But really, I was getting like half an egg a day. Right. You know, yeah. so every any given chicken, every two days lays an egg. And that's amazing. Considering their body size and what they're doing, I don't know. I don't under still don't quite understand how something that's smaller than my cat can produce it can produce an egg every other day. Right. That's filled with kind of every all the protein that you need as a human to to keep going. Yeah, if we you know? would add feed to the yard for them, we'd get maybe five eggs a week. Or if we would make them fend for themselves, we might get three or four eggs a week, but they'd be a higher quality. Um, so there's a trade-off, yeah. you know, you can increase production, yeah. <laughs> but decrease the quality when of the egg. Uh, what, yeah. what, what then, are some I mean, the, sorry, and, and their byproduct is is great, you know, nitrogen-rich manure yeah. Yeah. that you can use. If you add that to your compost, you can create kind of everything that you need to boost the, the production of your plants in the following season. Yeah, yeah, that's great. What are some of the techniques you would employ to keep unwanted pests down? Um, well, it starts with assessing your yard really well. You know, that's if there's anything that I'm good at in a professional sense, that's that's it. Is like I, I after going to ten thousand people's homes, seeing all the different layouts that you can get into. The first step, and this is the first step for any gardener, if, you, if you've never grown food before and you're thinking about growing food, you want to do this, I would say for the next week, go outside in the earliest that you can get up and drink your morning coffee out on your back porch or wherever you're considering putting that garden and observe what is passing through your yard. You'll be surprised. You might be amazed that... Oh my gosh, I have raccoons, possum, I've got squirrels, I've got mice and other rats, I've got underground rodents, right? I've got like moles, voles, uh, ground squirrels, gophers. So what kind of birds interact with your garden? Do you see butterflies? What other, what insects do you see? B build this connection with your garden before there's a garden there. That's the that's the that's the first thing you can do. I'm considering gardening. Okay, my challenge to you is for your for the next week with your morning coffee, 
Go out and spend 10 minutes breathing, relaxing, keeping your eyes open and observing what passes through your yard in the earliest parts of the morning and right around sunset and a little after sunset. That's when these animals are most active. Middle of the day, they're not. They're not really out there. There's too much going on, a lot of human presence and stuff, but that's the time they're going to be active. So the first step for pests is identifying what you already have, right? So if you already know, okay, oh, I, I got these, you know, grounds, I got these uh, gophers. That's a big one. Of so many people, I went to their houses and they're like, I'm having this problem with gophers. I'm like, well, you have to start over. You know, there's not really if, if you've got gophers, you know, we've we've had projects where we literally took raised garden beds like the ones behind me. We dug the, all the soil out, put gopher wire underneath, like lined it with this galvanized wire mesh, put all the soil back. And now I'm like, now you're going to be successful growing. Wow. So there's things that identifying the pests very, very early and having a plan for how you're going to mitigate that saves you so much trouble. I right. mean, one thing I always tell people is you want to be proactive. You don't want to be reactive. You don't want to have a pest problem halfway into your season that you could have had a plan for before you even started. Yeah. So identifying the pest, huge. I mean, that's I can't stress that enough. And again, that's 90% of your gardening success is the setup of your garden, right? So- yeah. Identifying, understanding what pests there are. Then you're starting to create a, a network of kind of deterrents, things that will make it so that this is not such a fun environment for pests. Uh, one of those things can ha be having a pet that you've, mm. you got a cat, you've got a, a little dog, even a tiny little dog sure. that like doesn't seem like it's going to protect you from anything. Actually, you're some of the most like vigilant uh anti-rodents are these little tiny like dachshund you know a little wiener dog can be the very best because they're actually they go they go after rodents that's like their thing you know um uh, yeah so having something that physically deters the pest by something that's moving that makes sense you know? you know if i planted seeds and the birds were coming eating the seeds well there's a good chance a can't a cat would keep them away from that garden um if uh if the squirrels are you know burying uh, their food well a dog would probably love to scare them away uh so yeah. that's a pretty yeah. neat thought there i like I mean, it so that's the that's the beginning of pest problems and then you also get into this whole you know what is each pest doing how can i how can i plant for example i mean you got insect pests you got aphids a lot of people get aphids on their winter gardens like broccoli and cauliflowers covered with aphids well if you had planted let's say beforehand we started a season beforehand where we planted sage oregano thyme uh, lavender right and any flowering plants we're now building this ecosystem of companion plants we are attracting beneficial insects into the garden before we even started our garden you're getting ladybugs into the garden because you planted sage and oregano in particular both usable kitchen herbs great things to grow in your garden fragrant flowering they look they look great they taste great they're usually they're very usable for your cooking but they're attracting ladybugs ladybugs eat aphids so mm -hmm. if i want to do a great season of broccoli i want to do a ton of broccoli i'm going to surround them or intermix plant them 
with these companion plants. And now my job as a gardener is, is like nothing. You know, you get to kind of sit back, relax, you, know, you get to watch it grow because you thought through all this stuff or, or you kind of knew where to start to. And that's, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. You know, I like that approach better because, you know, I remember uh, being told, well, if you get ladybugs, that, that'll get rid of them. Uh, so we, you know, bought a bunch of ladybugs and then they just flew away. Uh, but if you, <laughs> everyone has done that, everyone has done that. I, I did that. Everyone has done that. <laughs> but if you create an environment to attract them, that's a, that's a, a different story. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's still, you know what, it still feels good to release 500 ladybugs into the world. <laughs> um, but if you were going to do that approach, what I'm, what I might do because I've had success still buying, I've bought ladybugs because I had clients that ha were having an issue. We put essentially a you know, like screen door material, mm -hmm. small enough that a ladybug couldn't get out. Still, you're getting air through the plants and engagement with the wind. We would put these little cages over a plant that was badly infested with aphids, and I would release the ladybugs inside of there. Got it. And then they would have no choice but to just eat. And you would be amazed at even 100 ladybugs, how much they can do in two days. Wow. You know, whatever, whatever raised garden bed, whatever area you put them in, that is an aphid-free zone in two days. That's great. And then, then you can take the cover off and be like, you're free. You know, you're free, ladybugs. I've had a lot of people who just release ladybugs in their garden and they they released hundreds of ladybugs. But it's still cool. Yep. And actually, that's my technique for keeping the lizards off of my papaya sprouts because they'll mm. love to eat the little leaves. They'll eat the big ones, too. But when 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 the tree gets big enough to where it's making big leaves, uh, they grow faster than the lizards can eat them. But at yeah. that young stage, they will eat them to death before they have a chance to take root. Yeah. Uh, so I have my little. And what's really, you know, and, sorry. And what's really funny is you need those lizards. Lizards oh, yeah. are eating small insects that can be issues for later. So you actually you want lizard. I would I would put lizard in the friend category. Oh, absolutely. For most of the time. Oh, we we're we're out every day checking our pool first thing in the morning, rescuing the ones that fell in. Absolutely. <laughs> we want them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it keeps a nice balance. You know, they they eat some of the things that would otherwise uh, get to us. So for sure. Are you enjoying the show thus far? One of the many health secrets that we have covered on the show is all around aloe vera, specifically drinking raw aloe vera. Our aloe vera has helped our customers effectively heal their gut, increase their intestine health, lower inflammation in the body, eliminate and or decrease acid reflux, have glowing skin and hair, and so much more. Now, as a frequent member of our audience, you will be exposed to exclusive specials and coupon codes for the awesome products manufactured by Haley Nutrition. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in, you can get a mini discount to help you optimize and better your health. To see how we can help and support you on your health journey, tune into the episodes and listen for coupon codes that you can use at www.haleynutrition.com before you make your orders of raw aloe vera. Once again, it's www.haleynutrition.com. Now, back to the show.
if I want one of those raised beds, do you guys sell plans for it? Do you sell the materials or how, how does that we work? We don't, man. We got it. We got away from brick and mortar sales kind of stuff. I physically built all of those raised beds. We mm -hmm. are not even doing a whole lot of garden installations anymore. We transitioned a lot into education. We want people to know where to start and have someone to hold their hand for the first year. Uh, we really want you to to try, and, and we have online courses for you know how to build these and 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 we're, you know because it's it'd be so hard to be able to do that. Like I can't ship these are these are redwood raised beds. We I live in we're in California. We have redwood forests, and I started working with a lumber yard that was responsibly harvesting redwood. They would. For every you know series of trees they would cut down, they would section off. They were very responsible with how they re reforested the areas and which trees they selected and stuff. For us, California redwoods the way to go. If you're doing it somewhere else, maybe cedar is going to be a good way to go. You need a wood that's going to stand up to outside. So I, I mean, you try to ship one of these to Florida. <laughs> I don't think so. Like that's not going to work. So. Um, no, we're really we're really focusing on education now. I mean, I can I can teach you how to grow. You can find any number of contractors in your area if you're looking for someone to build a raised garden bed for you. Um, I would I wanna, say I want to do it myself, but I want to know how to do it. And I think you said that there's some something in the yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, we do a little section in the you know how to start a successful garden course. That's you know how to what is a raised bed garden? How big should it be? Uh, what kind of materials should you use? You can do them in a lot of shapes and get get creative. Um, if I do, I do have one piece of advice though for anybody who's looking to start a garden, you can pay someone to do something for you, and that's okay, right? There's a we're in a service service world, you know. But if you build that garden yourself, even if it doesn't turn out to being looking like, I mean, this is for a this is for a billion multi billion dollar a year corporation, right? This this corporation does everything has to look real nice but for your house you can save a lot of money getting recycled fence boards right you can people are replacing wooden fences on a daily basis usually the the actual boards of the fence are in really good shape it's the posts that had rotted out so people are looking to off they're, they're looking to dump materials use recycled materials do as much of it as you can yourself if you're moving cubic yards of soil to fill these up, you need to get all this soil. Get some friends over, have a party, offer beers. The more that you do yourself, the better experience you're yeah. going to have with growing food because you are actually attached to what you've built versus you know paying someone to set up this infrastructure. Because I've I've done that for a lot of people. I, there was, you know, I'd say, you know. A pretty high percentage, eighty percent of the people that we started gardens for still garden, but there's that twenty percent that were like, "I'm doing this because it's cool." One of my friends told me to do it. I'm gonna just pay someone to set it up for me, and the connection to the garden wasn't there from day one because someone else did it for them. You know, right, this right. is very much DIY able. Like it's really not that difficult to set these up. Um, yeah. And I get it. Everyone's working. Maybe you're, not, maybe you're not a carpenter. Maybe you get someone to build the boxes for you. But get your hands at least a little bit into that process. Move yeah. some of the soil yourself. Connect some of those irrigation lines yourself. Um, it, it will go a long way toward your continued gardening experience. Let's say. I do want to build it myself. I just want to plan so that I don't mess up the irrigation system and I get the right parts and 
you know, that kind of that's thing. huge. That's yeah. I would absolutely like whether you, you know, work with us and go through this, you know, online course or you yeah. you know, get a contractor for that. That's not a bad idea. Because uh, like I said, if you do something wrong with the setup, you are making life much harder for yourself for I mean, these these are 15 year items and they cost they cost some money to set up, but you're recouping all of the costs that you put into setting up that garden within the second year of growing food. Almost no matter what you choose for the, you know, if you're going to do raised beds of wood or if you're going to do like horse troughs of metal or whatever you're going to do, you're going to recoup all of the the money that you spent within the second year of growing food. And this is a 15 year item, maybe longer. Yeah, yeah. gardening is definitely not expensive. In fact, um, when it comes to the tools of gardening, this is a little bit of a trick question because I saw a couple of your videos. What would you say your favorite garden tool is? Oh, man. Uh, my favorite garden tool. That It could have been a video that I did forever ago. I think my favorite tool is uh, the cultivating fork. <laughs> All right. And I don't know if that's the same tool that I mentioned back then, but this well, cultivating fork is... It looks like a shovel. It's a little half-size shovel. And it's got, instead of a big blade for digging, it's got these four very thick tines. I have one. That, I use it every day almost when I'm weeding, when I'm in the man, yellow garden. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could be used to pull plants up and stuff and move plants. But uh, I like it just for because it's it makes tilling, which we don't really do a lot of soil tilling, but we do aerate soils we do poke holes around plants we do move and kind of create air gaps in there uh and that i think is my i think that's probably my go-to tool yeah, yeah, fortunately yeah. i only have to use it like twice a year you know when i'm doing some like major kind of garden turnover but for the seasons yeah it seems to me like the uh tools are not expensive and the one that i've seen you use the most on the videos is your finger. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That is that is the most inexpensive tool that you got. And we've all got 10 of them. Well, not everybody, but most of us have 10 of them. Uh, this is your moisture meter. That's right. You know, your 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 index finger is your moisture meter. And that is a huge lesson for anybody who's getting into gardening is, I mean, water is a huge issue. How, how much you water, how often you water, where you deliver the water to plants can determine a garden that's going to be thriving and pumping out 10 pounds of tomatoes for each plant or a garden that is dead or dying in the first month. Uh, so yep. yeah, your moisture meter, that is a good one. I kind of wish I would have remembered that uh, that was my favorite. <laughs> but, but yeah, stick your finger in the ground. You know, you don't really need to water your plants. This goes for house plants too. You don't need to water your plants. If there's still moisture at the tip of your finger, sticking your finger down in the ground, if there's still water at the tip of your finger, you do not need to water those plants. Yep, yep. Right, and so uh, you know you can buy fancy moisture meters, whatever. So if you don't want to get your one fingernail dirty, but that is a very valuable lesson to learn: is water when your plants need water. And just, just understanding if the water's down there, the roots are going to grow towards it, so you're going to grow a better root system than keeping them saturated. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they, that's you're you're as a as a gardener your job really you're trying to you're trying to grow the biggest and most extensive root system that you can 
right? And so by watering only when they need water, the roots will chase that water down from the watering that was four days ago. They'll go, I'm going to try to, I'm going to get a little longer because maybe I can reach this water table that's down there. And if I do that on a consistent basis and I continue to train my plants to look for deeper water, your biggest root system is pulling in the most nutrients for your plants. That's the strongest plants. Now, I, I saw you uh, yeah. use that same tool to plant gar garlic. <laughs> you, you know, first thing, yeah, you're yeah, make God, a little these are really These are really handy, man. It's <laughs> it's good to be humans, you know? We got these, we got these like tools attached to us that are super useful. And that's what the animals uh, do. You know, I, I have squirrels in the backyard. You talk about having the coffee and observing the yard. I like to sit out in the morning and, and enjoy my backyard. And we have, you know, bluebirds and redbirds and squirrels and lizards and iguanas and and they're all out there i know what's in my yard um and and watching them you know the the squirrels will you know take berries or nuts and they get in there with their paws and they dig a little hole and they bury them and and we've even found little, their little peanut farms if you go back to one of those peanuts that they planted and you pull them out of the ground there's peanuts growing off the little roots they're doing farming for us using their hands that's their tools uh so we yep. were given yeah it a lot works. of people a lot of people think squirrels are major pests for their garden a lot of them are actually not really even engaging with your plants it looks like they're get a problem in there they'll jump in there and they're burying they're burying or unburying food that they put there yeah yeah they will yeah. dig little holes but they're not digging up our plants they're digging around them Probably keeping the do yeah. dirt loose a little bit, um, you know. Yeah. Um, but they can be they can be tough, man. They can be tough. That's actually my biggest pest that I have at my place. I think I'm a squirrel farmer as well because I've got <laughs> I have ground squirrels. A little different. Tree squirrels and ground squirrels are very different. I've got ground squirrels. I have to basically grow all of my things inside of cages in my mm. in my my uh, my garden boxes because these squirrels are, will eat certain veggies. You know, and certain ones they won't touch. So I've learned over the time which ones I don't need to cover, which ones I need to cover. And but I, I certainly, yeah, squirrels can be a big pest for sure. Yeah, but you can eat them. <laughs> I don't eat the squirrels. <laughs> but hey, if time's got if tough, so my food wasn't growing, I'm gonna eat those squirrels. <laughs> um, yeah, if we get into this, whatever three days of not having food, you know, the the, the what is it, nine meal anarchy or whatever. Right, right, right. Got to feed the family. A lot of people feed squirrels then. Yeah. Troy, where do you see this going in five to 10 years from now? That's a good question. We're talking about that all the time. Josh and I are actually talking about that a lot now. Because um, both of us are very conscious about our lives. Like we want to live happy lives. You know, what What does that mean? We're not intending this. We, you know, we, as we grow as a company, um, I don't see that much changing between five and 10 years. We're getting to a point where we're ha we're happy with the systems that we're building, right? I would love to still be engaging people at, at companies. You know, I would love to be teaching people how to grow food at work. I would like to slowly transition. And this is, this is very much, this is coming very soon, but I would love to, <laughs> I have this idea about replacing myself. Uh, I don't want, I don't want me to need to exist to teach adults how to grow food. Right. And I accomplished that by teaching kids. Uh, I'd like to get involved and I want to go with like 
middle school and up, really like high school and up, I kind of have this strange like question in my head. Like, why, you know, why didn't I learn how to grow food through school? Right. I just, I don't, I, it's a disconnect. It, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. So in the next five or 10 years, I would love to very slowly transition and build curriculums for particularly like high schools. Yeah. Um, see if we can get funding from these major corporations to help start school gardens or maybe convince the government that school gardens are important. Yes. Uh, because yes. even if we're not raising a next generation of farmers, which we kind of need to do, we need to do that. No one's really going into farming as, you know, I'm in, I live in Silicon Valley. This area where I, where I live 60 years ago, was called the Valley of the Heart's Delight. We have transitioned as a species toward tech, right? I still think even if, even if you're going to do tech and people are learning coding and, and you're getting into you know building software or flying drones or whatever you're going to do, fine. But if you don't know where your food comes from, if you don't know what the natural process of food is, it's, it seems so natural for corporations that are in the agribusiness to cut corners. Mm -hmm. That's the new norm is, right. hey, you're having you're having weeds. Well, we're going to do Roundup ready GMO corn. We're going to spray Roundup on corn. It's not going to hurt the corn. It's going to de-weed the field. We're going to deplete all of the soils of the earth because we're not growing microorganisms anymore. Right. But we're producing lots of corn. Yeah, you know? it's a shame. And you got to wonder, like, how is that corn not dying when you spray poison on it? Well, it is Roundup, right? It's genetically modified to have Roundup in its genetics. So it's, you're eating that. You're consuming that. All of the beef products that you're eating are consuming that. Chicken products are consuming that. We're surrounded by this. And if you're not aware, at least, I don't, I'm not saying everyone's going to be growing food in their yard, but if you're not aware of the process, then you are a victim of the process. Agreed. Uh, so I'd like I'd like to I'd like to slowly transition to a point where um, when I die, there are still digital media versions of me and Start Organic teaching next generations how to grow food, um, you know, through apps and, uh, you know, Instagram and anything yeah. else that we can do to, to influence people. But I'll, ideally, it will be a staple part of what education is. I like it. You yeah, remind so me that's, of, that's... yeah, I, I want to encourage you on the high school thing because you do remind me of a program that actually I had the pleasure of helping in Hollywood, Florida, a, a high school that has a gardening program. And my part in it was helping them to grow an aloe vera section and teaching them about nice. aloe vera and how it grows. But that was in a high school and they had their little farm section and it was part of their program. I would imagine it still is to this day, but why only in one high school in Hollywood, Florida, how come this isn't in every high school? It should be, but we've become so reliant on the system to provide our food for us. Um, and, and it is a house of cards. Um, so I, I do see that. I think that's a good vision to have. And I want to encourage you on it because I think you could really make a difference in that area, getting some of these programs yeah, in high schools. We're, we're going there. If I can, you know, if I'm, you know, 
90 years old. I'm on my deathbed. I go, okay, you know, like I'll feel good about going out if I see that there's a system in place where I'm not needed anymore. You know, I don't need to go educate adults. All the adults are have gotten old. The kids that I started teaching are getting older. Then there's a system where there's gardening in schools. I'll be like, all right, you know, I'm good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for anyone hearing this podcast that's in the school system and says, wow, that is a good idea. We should have that at our school. Um, I, I encourage you to make something happen in your school and talk to the right people and and, and encourage them. We, ha we have to teach the children. It starts with them. So I love that vision. It's a good vision, Troy. So I expect good things for it. Um, man, I, we could talk for hours. Um, I love your knowledge base, where it comes from, what you're doing, making a difference in the world. I do think that you're reaching a far bigger audience than you realize because I, when you do something at Intuit or PayPal or one of those big corporate environments, you know there's a good percentage of them that are taking that back home, starting it in their gardens, affecting their friends, their family, their neighbors, or whatever the case is. Uh, so I do believe that that initial vision you had where it was you know, growing in everyone's yards in the neighborhood, I do believe we'll get yeah. to that point. Um, we just, yeah. it just, it just starts here and grows out. So I'm expecting good things to happen from this. Uh, where can Thanks, people man. go to support the, the mission, support your business? And at the same time, of course, benefit from the knowledge that they'll gain from you. Where's the best place to start? Uh, probably the best place is, is the website, startorganic.org. We have options there. Uh, basically splits you into two options. One is corporate level and then one is individuals. Um, and the online courses are a smart way to, to like get a little bit of targeted information for starting a vegetable garden. Um, and also, I mean, if, if people are either working at a company that they think this should be offered for their employees, or if they're an employee engagement specialist or a company culture specialist or a chief people officer, you know, and you want to change the culture of your company a little bit and offer something really fun for employees. This is a really good program for that. Yeah. And uh, I so think I'd it say startorganic.org. We'll yeah. Again. I mean, it's, it's, I said, I would say startorganic.org, the website, or you can uh, follow us on Instagram too. Instagram handles start organic as well. Yeah. Because um, something happened so, in my heart in this discussion with you, you know, when you mentioned Intuit, well, I do business with Intuit because they provide my, uh, accounting software, the QuickBooks and, yeah. and their payroll service and things like that. I have a new perspective of who they are now. And I appreciate that. It, it makes me want to do, continue to do business with them. And the same thing with PayPal. You know, when people purchase from my website, PayPal is an option. I do business with them. I have a new right. little different perspective, you know, a, a good light shining on them that wasn't necessarily there. Um, so I, I, it's a good thing for them for many reasons, not only helping their employees, but being, you know, uh, active in our future and, and saving the planet, yeah. literally. Yeah. I know uh, it sounds like it's, it's a sales pitch or something, but it, it really is a huge win-win for, for companies to do that because it makes their employees happier. It's giving them something that I don't know if you know this, but in my area, in the in the Bay Area, there's a four year wait list to get into a community garden plot. 
Hmm. So if you're in a, an apartment, you don't have the ability to grow your own food, except for maybe a few containers on a patio. You want to start growing food seriously. You're going to put your name on a list. And four years later, you might get a community garden plot. So these companies are providing space for something that is very difficult to get into. Employees are loving the program. They're able to grow their own food. They're, they're taking this knowledge base home. They're getting away from their desks. They're de-stressing the work environment. They're making new friends. This is my gardening group and my gardening friends. Uh, they're, ho they're hosting alternative meetings in the garden. Okay, we're going to meet in the garden this week, team. You know, And then from the employer standpoint, you're providing a program that doesn't really exist anywhere else. You're getting this positive PR that your company is working towards sustainability. Uh, and a program that frankly doesn't cost you very much. You know, our programs are very affordable for these companies. Um, so you're getting these huge perks of transforming your campus. This was a non-productive space on campus. This is right near where people eat. It's a pretty thing to look at. But you also have a bunch of employees engaging in there. You can say, hey, yes, our company is investing our employees. We're, in, we're dedicated to sustainability. And this is our proof in the pudding. Right. This yeah. is our visual representation that we care about this type of thing. No, oh, man, it's awesome. Um, who's yeah. bigger on social media, yourself or Josh? Josh should be, but we're both realizing that we we both need to be more active. And we are. We're taking a stance to be a little bit more active. Um, and we're going to launch a couple of new things this year. We're not kind of able to announce it quite yet because we're still brainstorming how this might work the best, but we're kicking around ideas like gardening happy hours and inviting everybody there where we'll tell a little, you know, a little bit about what you need to do in your garden this week, but then start telling stories and encourage others to share their stories and maybe ha answer questions for people uh, live via these broadcasts and stuff. So we're right. working towards that too. Uh, but uh, you need, yeah, you need man, to do stoked. a U.S. tour. When you come to Florida, I'm coming to your event. <laughs> Dude, I would love to go out there. You're lucky, you know. Like I, I'm, I'm jealous. I, I live in California, and I'm even jealous of people living in Florida for for what you can grow. Now, you got a whole slew of tropical fruits that I cannot do. You know, so I mean, you're you're nothing is off the table for you in a growing sense. Like you have absolutely everything on the list. Right. You know, one of my uh, favorites is papaya because you know I we figured out that if you have seven trees in a row which doesn't take up much space you, and it's just a stem you can still grow things around them and they'll give yeah. a nice little shade uh you know i like open sun but at the same time the some things grow better with a little bit of shade over them right those seven trees you can literally take a papaya every day <laughs> because they'll produce <laughs> about nice. one papaya per week each tree uh, nice. when they're growing nice and healthy so it's something that provides a lot of food with very little space of growing so you're right we have so many things we can grow here from you know avocados grow like basketballs here they're not as tasty as the Haas uh, there are some that are pretty darn good though but literally four and five pound avocados uh amazing so that's a good stuff yeah here. man I'm I'm jealous I'm jealous and I and I have a great growing environment I'm growing food right now uh you know, my winter garden's in full force right now. This is like this is like the glory days of the winter garden. Starting from now until March, broccoli, cauliflower, 
cabbage, kale, lettuce, spinach, arugula, onions, garlic. You get a lot of really good production from a winter garden. Uh, people are surprised. Most people that we engage with have never even attempted to grow a winter garden. And they're always really surprised with how much comes out. I love it. I love it. Troy, I want to thank yeah. you so much for joining me in this time. Literally, I could talk for hours with you, um, but we already went over an hour and uh, I might have to break it up into a couple sh different shows for people's attention span. We'll see. Uh, okay. But thank you. I want to stay in touch with you. Let's, uh, you know, reconnect and, and help change the world, man. Sounds good. That All is right. Dr. Haley. Thanks. <laughs>